Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast. A podcast in which we set the world to rights in a pub style. <laughs> pub style. <laughs> um, and we, yeah, we talk through things and maybe we'll come to conclusions, but maybe it's just long-held beliefs finally getting recorded so that we can move past them. That's something I found out about this podcast. Um, it's like, I've just, just now I just want to make sure people understand this idea so that then I can start to actually build on it and, like, maybe it was wrong. I don't know. But first I've got to kind of explain it. Um, my name's Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. And this week we are talking about inequality. Oh, <laughs> which we could have said equality, but I kind of feel like that 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 makes me think of maths, whereas inequality makes me think of uh, society. So, um, which I think is more what we're talking about, right? I thought we were doing equality, not, not inequality, <laughs> but it makes sense because you have to fight inequality in order to get equality. So, topics for me are things like inequality of status, circumstance. Generally, things that are not our fault, that's an interesting concept. You know, things like, you know, what colour you are and what gender you are. Things that you just got born with or where you were born, those kind of yep. sources of inequality. Opportunity. Opportunity. Inequality, which, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... Uh, yeah uh, and there's words like, oh, and then I, I did, in preparation for this, I googled equality campaigning. My goodness, mm. people can be unequal <laughs> on so many for so many different reasons. So uh, it's hard to know where to start. I think I'm going to stick with things like race, racism, feminism, that kind of thing. On my yeah, equality. Okay. And yeah, I, I guess like privilege is obviously a huge thing, um, and checking your privilege. And yeah, I, I think we're going to talk about sort of personal experiences as well, um, quite I a lot. So. Um, yeah, because uh, I, I I can't. Obviously, I'm a, a, a white British man who earns money, so I'm obviously just not really in a position to talk very much about um, the struggles of uh, various underprivileged people. But uh, but maybe that's the most important person to talk about it, to be thinking about it. I don't know. How's your week, Ivanka? I think I'm not sleeping very well. I think because it's very light and the seagulls are very confused about when they're supposed to be quiet. <laughs> I was in Birmingham and there was a lot of seagulls outside my window, which seemed strange. That does seem strange. Mm. Did they fly along the river or something? A canal? I don't know. Well, there is the big canal. But maybe they don't always like need to be by the sea i don't know well not now that they eat rubbish <laughs> they can probably live anywhere speaking of uh, speaking of bird vermin i saw a pigeon get destroyed by a car Ew. this week there was a little flock of pigeons on the ground and just this huge like four by four came through and just one just didn't make it and it just kind of went <laughs> just like this feathery kind of like thing and it was just like destroyed and then and even like by the next day there was nothing left of it it was just it was nice. i don't know you i don't was like oh no kind of things. oh no it's gonna happen because i've never seen that before anyway even on the subject of birds <laughs> it's a good bird story mike mm. one thing that's been playing on my mind since we since i listened to the draft of the last week's the immigration episode was the the fact that i kept talking about the legality of you know illegal immigrants and and then and then I for the first time in my life sort of realized what a bizarre concept that is <laughs> that that's somehow a criminal activity to go and live in another country it's pretty nuts it is a bit weird because I, I understand you know I kind of understand I don't know anyway well so, is it to do with I guess tax or something but well it's know. to do with like work but you know whether you're I suppose it is a crime but it's a bizarre crime. It's like, you know, it's it's not like I'm I'm going to come to your country to rob people. I want to come to your country to work and to live. So my activities that I want to conduct when I'm there are entirely legal. So mm. why am I a criminal? Just because I want to live here and by your some sort of code of entry, I don't 
you know, nobody's given me a stamp in my passport that says, yes, you can come here and work. Yeah. You know, I, I just thought... But it's it was like, a bit, what's it to you? Like, well, well it's like, a bit why odd, can't you I know? just go to that bit of... It's like, yeah. you know, it doesn't work. I suppose it all works, for, you know, it all stems from enforcing borders and all this business. But I just don't think you should be treated in the same way. <laughs> I don't see it as a crime... Yeah, it just reminds it's the first me of, time I've realised, you know, I've never ever thought about it in those terms. Yeah, it reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell's story last week on that podcast episode where he just says, like, he lived in Canada and he just, like, saw that there was, like, a McDonald's on the other side of the thing, just, like, there weren't wasn't really a big wall. They just sort of, like, hopped over and kind of went to the McDonald's and then got kind of put in a, like, caught the some police came and, like, put them in a cell for, like, several hours. And yeah. it's like, well, that seems a bit... just bizarre, seems like it? a very strange way to respond to people who are you know to treat like to detain them to have detention yeah. centers like Yarlswood and all this kind of stuff where you're like you're somehow some undesirable because you tr- moved country I find it odd anyway that was something I always find weird about that is like uh, well so you like, cause I always feel like my plane ticket was quite expensive so like, I come into a country and then what if they don't want to let me... They, they, who's going to pay for the ticket back? Are they going to pay? Do I, I have they to do, pay? yeah. I think they so, do. I you mean, get a free ticket home if you go illegally. <laughs> but, but, and free accommodation in a detention centre. <laughs> <laughs> to meet some colourful characters. I, uh, but that which leads me to the big news is i oh. went on the on the uh, on the people's vote march whatever yes. it called itself that's what i did this week since we recorded last time mm. uh it had a it was in a it was a very positive vibe i thought lots of people it was very hot people were happy uh i did i was leaving because i went i was supposed to be going on this camping trip at hailing island and so i Packed off the family, went up to London, marched for a bit and then went down, got the train down to Haven. And I left Parliament Square not long after the speeches started and I was walking to Waterloo and I was walking in line with some people who were heavily adorned with EU flags and stickers and hats. I didn't really have any paraphernalia. And uh, this guy was walking towards us and he just went... Traitors. (laughs) Traitors. <laughs> Jesus. Brilliant. And I turned to them and I went, did he just call you traitors? So he obviously didn't call me a traitor because I'm travelling incognito. Uh, but, um, but yeah, he had a go at them. But that was all he did. He didn't stop. Well, he just said, traitors. And that's, a, that's a modern idea, isn't it? The idea of a traitor. Well, it's also this idea that, you know, living in a country where you are free to express your political views, uh, to march without fear of being beaten by the yeah. police. You know, like, these are our, this is our right. We have a right to stand in Parliament Square and go, we demand a people's vote. Uh, so I am on that recording, but I don't... I'm not sure I want to vote. I just want Brexit cancelled. I, yeah. I don't want any votes. <laughs> I, want I just want it gone. I've been always quite good at running like risk scenarios in my head. <laughs> but since I've had a child, my risk scenarios have extended. Uh, and uh, so I was coming, I was thinking, what if somebody does do something? Can I get hurt? And Lola, or, you know, what if something happens to me? And these were my thoughts in the background. And then you arrive in London and you, you realise um, that the Metropolitan Police put a lot of effort in to make sure these marches happen yeah. safely and that you have you have the right to exercise this it is a democratic right and uh so for somebody to then accuse you of being a traitor when you're you know you're expressing your discontent to your government i think is very peculiar uh so but it was fine it was a nice and the nice thing about it was and Got to rant about Brexit a lot with nobody telling me to change the topic. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing. I've never told you to change the topic. That's because it's podcast gold. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Because there's also been loads of articles this week. Nissan threatening job losses. Airbus came out... I think it was actually last Friday. so, So business is really starting to speak out. There's like... Potentially something like 863,000 jobs could be lost from the car industry in Britain. You know, it's like they're not, it's not, it's not, it's not funny. 
We're not so, going to no. be making cars out of tin foil and sticky back plastic. Uh, we do need some industry for after this Brexit shambles. This is just, I mean, who knows? I don't know. Anyway, um, I think somebody should just cancel it. Yeah, they just need tell to the will it. of the people to go. <laughs> yeah. The people don't know what they're on about. Shut up. The people didn't think this through. <laughs> Did you see on that note, Danny Dyer, whatever his name is? Calling David Cameron a twat. Oh, I did actually just now. <laughs> very good. Very good. That was very good. My favourite bit is when it, you know, it sort of goes quiet at the end and he just and goes, got twat. <laughs> I mean, what a twat. <laughs> really, Absolute twat. Just like scuttled off to Nice with his trotters up. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Very good. <laughs> he yes. is, though. He's a traitor. He's a... F- I mean, if you want to call someone a traitor. <laughs> yeah, call David Cameron a traitor. Total, he should be done for dereliction of duty or whatever. The, oh, you know, it's he like just something. not doing his job properly. Do we have to like wait until we really see the effects of Brexit before we just like get the, uh, the uh, guillotine out and just uh, hunt him down? <laughs> Start chopping off heads. <laughs> uh, so, yes, what about you, Michael? Big um, news this I, week. Yeah, I mean, I've got a list of... Uh, well, first thing, I'm free and I'm alive. So I'm trying to be remember to be happy about that. Um, I, yeah, so I'm not. I'm sort of out, off this blockchain thing and thinking about what to do next. Um, I do have an interview immediately after this that I'm sort of have mixed feelings about just jumping straight into something else because yeah, I've got sort of a little holiday booked and I, I do want to give some love to my other projects. Yeah, I was at Supersonic Festival at the weekend, saw some good bands, filmed. It all went well. I saw three cameras and I managed to kind of orchestrate the shoot on my own. And then like it was really easy to edit and I ended up sending out an edit like the next day, which was mental. Like so, a lot of the time you sort of see sort of like sound artists. I, I kind of feel like. Um, this sort of like experimental music world is all a bit like anything goes and just a bit like, yeah, I'm just doing my practice is to just do this and I'm going to just get into a little, into a sheet and then I'm going to boil an egg. And you know, it's just like kind of a lot of bullshit and a lot of kind of like stuff that you're like, well, yeah, make an effort. But like there, there was just a... a a talk in this cafe with various um, sound artist types and sort of musician types that all like so deep into their craft, all doing something really interesting. Like one woman that like was projecting like birds on wires onto a piano and then using the movement of the birds to kind of play music on the piano strings. And then someone else who'd sort of like customised all of these like petrol cans and torches and and, and all this sort of like it looked like this sort of farmyard noise making thing where he just like everything had a little speaker in in it and he sort of switched it on and it went um which initially he was like he presented it quite well but then like when he passed those out into the audience it was just great it was just this crazy kind of sounds all around you and you're sort of seeing what you can do with your thing so that was cool, and it's just nice to be sort of backstage at a festival as well. It was like in this school, but it was nice to have my little artist band and to be able to go into the secret area. Uh, I quite enjoyed that. And then being on stage as well, it was quite a big um, audience. I was sort of like, should I be on stage or should I be in a little photographer pit? But they were like, no, no, come on. I was like, okay, well, cool. I guess I was sort of like the third band member kind of thing <laughs> with my cool. two friends playing the things, and I'm sort of like pointing this iPhone on a gimbal around at things. So that was good. I, I, I had a um, an ethical. I, I want to kind of put this ethical question out to the world. <laughs> something I did in the hotel. So I like because I <laughs> brace yourself. <laughs> so I, I'm staying in this travel lodge in Birmingham. I've got all this camera equipment with me, so um, I, I sort of don't really like cleaners coming in at all when I'm in that situation. I just sort of put the do not disturb sign out. Um, this one was annoying because it was like, I'm, I'm, I want to lie in, I'm sleeping. I was like, no, I just don't want to be disturbed. Um, so this is going to be on all day. But like the morning, the morning I came out on the Saturday morning, like my do not disturb sign had gone. And I, I, I kind of, I'm like, well, I just don't want some cleaner kind of coming in going, oh, laptop, ooh, sort of being tempted. I'm sure it's fine, but it's just like, I just think I'd just rather no one knew that I had some sort of shit worth stealing. Um, and then... So I was like, well, what do I do? And then I just sort of looked down the hall and I saw someone else had this do not disturb sign on. So I kind of walked down. I like, 
I, it sounded like maybe there was a couple in there, but I just was like, I'm just going to take your do not disturb sign and stick it on my door. Uh, I thought this, I, I don't know what level of guilt I need to be feeling for this. <laughs> Probably quite a lot. Because, I mean, I'm like, well, maybe a cleaner kind of like knocks and they're like, oh, or maybe they sort of get walked in on doing something. Or I don't know. But, or maybe it's fine. Maybe I'm just like, no one cares. But I'm just like, should, should I have done that? <laughs> what do you think? What's your take on that? I think there's worse crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Though, you know, I'm just going through all the scenarios of why they <laughs> It's like, I think, best case, it's just funny. If you really want yeah. to feel guilty, you could think about them going through some sort of dramatic thing and not wanting to be disturbed. And that could make you feel really, really bad. But Yeah, I don't know, though. I mean, oh, I think, but then it, it's yeah. not, it wasn't exactly like a nice hotel. It wasn't exactly a honeymooning couple. It was this slightly grim travelodge with like, a, I don't know, it's did, there was a slight hint of urine in the air as you were walking down the corridor. <laughs> like it wasn't a nice hotel. Oh, so, so it's okay know. if it's not a nice hotel. Well, I don't know. It's just like, it's not like someone's booked the honeymoon suite and they don't want their kind of special occasion interrupted. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I could just say? be. Um... You know, planning a heist. I think most cleaners knock, though. Yeah, exactly. They still knock, don't they? So you might be safe. And also, if they would put their do not disturb for the same reasons. I mean, we just don't know the knock-on effects of your action. And therefore it's very hard to pass judgment. Because they then might have come out and taken someone else's do not disturb sign. Well, who knows what chain of events could have been triggered. Do you know what, Michael? Many things can now be attributed to you moving this. A butterfly flapped its wings yeah. in that moment. Uh, well, let's see, see if any listeners have any perspective on that. Um, it's the start of a book. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> okay, let's. Shall we get into the topic? Yes, let's get into the topic of inequality. So, what what, what do you reckon? <laughs> inequality is bad. Right, bye. <laughs> okay, is inequality inevitable? Well, you're going in with a big question. Uh, I think inequality, to some extent, is inevitable. Because we are not all the same. Uh, however, there are, I think, because this did come up, uh, at this meetup last night, because we we were using the example of in Brighton, if you use the bus app to buy a bus ticket, it is cheaper than if you buy a ticket any by any other means. Yeah. Now, in order to have that cheaper bus ticket, you have to have a smartphone. Yeah. So, therefore, if you are below a certain level of uh, income or poverty or whatever it is, you will then not be able to afford. Life is more expensive. Mm. If you can't afford a washing machine, it's more expensive to go to the laundrette. And so, and one of the people that was participating sort of shrugged and went, yeah, but that's life. And I think that's a, which then sparked off quite an interesting conversation because, you know, why shouldn't I, who could afford to buy, to pay full price for a bus ticket, pay more on the app for Mm. convenience and then subsidise the people who can't afford well, it's underestimating the importance of feedback loops and the fact that the, the more money you have, the more money you can get, and then vice versa. The less money you have, the less you the less can money kind of, you have. Yeah, and it sort of reminds me of the ragged trousered philanthropists, which is this sort of nice book on kind of I, I guess like socialism type things, but just talks about how you know when you just buy, you can only afford the cheap shoes; they wear out quicker, so you mm. in, you end up spending more on shoes and it's yeah. just all like that isn't it just yeah. the less you have the less you continue to you, you know it yeah. gets worse so that's why the key to kind of solving a lot of inequality is that kind of um you know affirmative action type thing yeah. and whatever you want to call it you do have to kind of like it does mean put you have to put something in to fix it you can't just go well just there you go we're not yeah. stopping you like, that's not enough once no, no, someone's no, kind of stuck in yeah, that rut. Because the, the, this guy was using, he was like, you know, in any society, he said, obviously, we want to all live in a diverse community, which will mean that there are people on the way up and people on the way down. This is his 
description. And, you know, that's inevitable in life. There will be people on the way up and the people on the way down. The way the way he saved himself from being lynched <laughs> in a sort of, you know, a, uh, a sort of very Brighton little meetup was that he, uh, I'm exaggerating slightly, but he talked about the fact that what you want is the bottom bar to be higher or you want the difference mm. to be not as big. So this idea of the, you know... 99% of the world's wealth owned by 1% of people, whatever the yeah. figure is now. It's like, that is a ridiculous gap that is, as yes. we've discussed in, in other episodes... The is, delta is too large. It's too it's big. It is, it's like we're on different planets or a yeah. different world, different... Exp- anyway, it's... But on the equally at the bottom level, I want to live in a society where the people who are who have been less fortunate than me by virtue of birth or circumstance i don't want them to be so low that my position in life is unsurmountable to them you know like that they can't mm. meet can't be closer to me i don't want people hungry i don't want people not being able to pay their bills i don't you know so yeah. i don't want people not to have access to healthcare i don't want people dying 12 years earlier because they live in a different ward in newcastle yeah. to some you know that's to me, that gap is too big. These are the bits of inequality that make, I think, do impact on my community and therefore my quality of life. So it's mm. a selfish, <laughs> selfish mm. reasons. Yeah, there's no reason not to be altruistic, doesn't have to be unselfish. Just means playing a long game. I think one of the things that people get caught up in, and I'm, you know, I might be totally wrong here, but it's like that... Sort of, I was speaking to somebody else on a different project in a different time, and he was talking about he's trying to make his company as fair as possible. So he's one of the founders, and he wants everybody to benefit from the success of the company. But mm. he said, "I want socialism, not communism. You know, you will be rewarded yeah. if you pull your weight, but yeah. we're not sharing it all out. You know, so we don't want freeloaders. And it's that mm. sort of, I think, the um, that that concept of uh, social fairness makes people who maybe have battled very hard to get where they are whatever kind of go well you know some people don't deserve to do better there's you know that makes me think of meat and the social the social mechanisms involved with meat which i have mentioned before but the fact is if you know if you look at it in terms of everyone's gone out caught this big animal um and then, you know, they're sort of apportioning off the best bits to the person of highest status. The fact is that the meat is going to go off soon. So everyone's going to get some. You know, so even if you, you know, even the person with the lowest social status, they're still going to get, you know, a decent amount of meat. They may not get the best bits, but they're still going to get some. Um, it's It changes when it's money because you can just hold on to all of it indefinitely. So maybe money needs to go off. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that there's this whole thing about abundance at the moment that's affecting people's. There's this stockpiling thing, even in the way we eat, the way we do. You know, like we're we've 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 got too much stuff and too much food in many ways. I think it's time for a new way. Definitely, you know, like a sharing economy, and not in a you know Uber cars sort of way, but in a more distributed way where at the lower level like my local community thing i can i can go on the notice board and go has anyone got a ladder and i will be able to find one from a stranger yeah. within my community so that's sort of like we don't all need a ladder so i think this whole idea of stockpiling was fine when we didn't have we didn't have the means of preserving food over winter we didn't have means of storage and blah 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 but now we do there's no you know, there's no seasonal effect to your ability to eat, frankly, anything mm. you want. No. In fact, that's no. got a whole different sort of negative impact. But no, we'll in, see how Brexit goes with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we can, we'll all be eating cauliflowers and kale. <laughs> uh, you know, but that's, that's not, nothing right. wrong with cauliflower steak. <laughs> When you go like, oh, there's this fund for people or there's these benefits for people that have had bad, uh, that need it, it, it turns into this sort of, 
there's this gamification of a demonstration of need or a demonstration of circumstance that then sort of starts to kind of distort that whole kind of assessment of whether someone actually needs this or not. And so the more you try to formalise it, the more you get people kind of like engaging with the letter of the law sort of thing. And and like like taking resources like this thing was set up in a certain spirit and then it kind of ends up going to the people that know how to fill in the forms yeah. and have heard about it and it's, it's just one of the biggest problems with just welfare in general is like people that maybe don't need it as much get good at sort of gaming it yeah and then the people that need it the most just it's too and then to try and combat that gamification, like it becomes a more difficult process. And then the people that need it the most probably aren't just even going to attempt to engage with it, either for, because of language or just because of, like, you know, circumstances around, you know, drug addiction and, 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 I don't know, whatever it happens to be, like you just don't have the energy to sort of engage with the state in that way. So you just kind of, it's easier to just, you know live a life of rough sleeping and this and that like um i, th I think what well, this came up a bit because my my favorite statistics on the digital exclusion levels in adults in brighton uh, the, apparently is coming down from 16 percent, but it's still higher than the national average in a mm. you know an affluent city there are so many reasons why it's hard to pull yourself out of your circumstances and yeah. you know, like like you say, if you if we make everything online, and you're afraid of computers, or you're afraid of your spelling, or you're afraid of your, mm. you know, these these are big things. Like you can style out quite a lot verbally that you may not be able to do in writing on a computer. You might not understand the language of the interface, the form, yeah. all these sorts of things just stop you being able to ask for help, uh, which is that. You know, I told, I'm sure, I hope I have, but I, I don't think it can be repeated too often, this idea, this social care system that required you to have an email address in order to mm. fill in a form saying, I need help. It's like, why do I have to have an email address? People can phone me. You know, I'm the lowest stratosphere of society. Is it stratosphere is the one that's at the top, isn't it? <laughs> yes, the lowest. I'm the lowest level in society. I, mean, I I just need to put my hand up in the most efficient way and go that suits me. Hi, help me. And uh, I shouldn't have to jump through hoops or get a bloody email address in order to do that. I mean, you say getting an email address like that's a really complicated thing, but I guess I see your point. Like, but that's the point. Like this is. It's the... more like you're gonna maybe you'll miss it or because you need to go. But I, th I mean, I, I I don't know anyone who's. So, I don't know. Well, digitally excluded means either yeah. I can't afford a device or I can't afford connectivity or I can't, I'm afraid of this internet thing. It can also mean that I don't like it. I don't want to do it. Um, it could mean a whole, it could mean literacy problems. It can mean lots of things. That no, we should these make These problems it. shouldn't exist. That's, that's, that's yeah. one problem. Question. that's one thing those problems should be addressed and should be fixed there should not be digital exclusion at that level or exclusion from society let's call it but you know how you had the people the mobile phone using people and the non-mobile phone yeah. using people we need to that that percentage should be as small as it can reasonably be but it exists today and today we need to accommodate it my my brain immediately goes to the sort of develop how how complicated it gets to develop a system to support things. I think we have to kind of design a system in a way that makes sense, and then kind of think of the people that aren't maybe digitally literate need a human interface to that system. So it still requires an email address, but the person that's kind of looking at email address is someone that's helping you. And we, well, we, there's, there's no way around it. Like you can't go, oh well, they've got a phone, they've got all this. Well, I, 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 no, I there, think there is a way around because that's what so. This is the problem with social care. It's every single person is different. Their needs are often extremely complex and l logic kind of that breaking down the problem. It's many. So, for example, as a council, we are happy. I'm not the council, but as the receiving end of the data, I just want tidy data. And it helps me yeah. if the form's filled in online because I know all the fields will have been filled in and I can read it and I've got all the... Yeah. disparate bits of information that I need. I can then phone the person up, write to them, go to their house. I don't have to email them. 
if I'm many people who are isolated have maybe have an advocate because that's just something you're entitled to and lots many charities offer it but then that person is probably filling in that form for loads of people yeah and they are possibly a volunteer and they are there are many reasons why and there are privacy issues around them seeing the replies so do you know it's like it's not it's not that uh, so well, I mean, that's I'd I'd pick up on the privacy thing then, like as I mean, how you can't you can't make a system that's so bulletproof that at some point you don't have to like if if someone can't engage with the technology, then you need a you need to delegate that responsibility. You need like a human layer in there, and if you could get sort of all hung up yeah. on, and you can have a human layer if I know if that you know already it's a help to the people doing triage to know that they've got the person's phone number because they get emails that kind of go, hi, I've got this patient and they're, they're not very happy. I don't know what to do about it. I think there's a safeguard. We're not sure. And there's an essay from a GP. But actually what they need is, you know, Ivanka, who lives at this address, is this old and this is her phone number yeah. and this is this. And then they can very quickly give them help. But, no, no, obviously. So, so it's that sort of difference. Like it's it's breaking down the 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 person in need of help doesn't necessarily have to engage with the whole shebang. They just hmm. need to be able to be helped quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I will. I just, I, I, I know. You know, I have absolutely no first hand experience of any of this so i'm just i'm sort of reacting as a technologist type person who doesn't want his system to be sort of made awkward but uh, i I mean i I have worked like in local government i have like seen this if you're writing you cannot just go well they all need to have an email address stubbornly i mean that's well you can if you can then guarantee that people without an email address will have a person to help them or someone that can contact them some other way like i just think drawing the boundaries of the system around that requirement is like that's you're never going to catch everyone if that's where you see the boundaries of the system right they're not people who can go and change. It's one of the problems I have that got somebody else. Uh, I was at work. I I struggle when government and public sector organisations call the people that use their systems customers, because that's been a word that's now come in to make us, you know, yeah. treat them with more respect or some nonsense. Sure. Customers imply that you have a choice, uh, which citizens do not. They have one government. <laughs> they have a choice. Well, they try to <laughs> make a choice sometimes and it doesn't make children get locked up. There is one um, council. There is one social care system. There is one welfare state. There is one. Yeah. So you can't, you have to interact with it in whatever form. Now, that system can't sit there the other side using English that nobody understands, like a Oxford Don declining entrance to a... Yeah, you know, without, unless... There is a translator, right? So I'm just I'm just making a point about like a system is a system that you have to think about that system as also encompassing the people that help people with the system. Yeah, that's the only point I'm trying to make, and I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Like, I agree that as the people designing making the systems, you have to look at the full range, and just because everyone hasn't got an email address doesn't mean you shouldn't expect them to and help them get one and offer support, but. It's just that thing of closing off the door because you haven't got an email address is all, is not the the solution to the problem. Yeah, so and and if that's happening, then it's an outrage, obviously. <laughs> so I'm just hoping, like I'm maybe idealistically thinking, like well, I'm assuming that someone will go, oh, you haven't got an email address, okay, let's um, let's sort you let, out. An let's email come up with a solution to that. Yeah. Either make you one, or look, we'll make one here, and I'll ring you if that, you know, yeah, I, yeah. you know, whatever it is, we can solve it. If it's not, it's it's the difference between getting the jobs worth and the you know the helpful person, I suppose. Yeah. But they are part of the system. It's not just the Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going, I'm trying to just work out how to word this. So what you said earlier about as a, you know, white, British male who earns money, what can I say about this? And as a white woman, what can I say about race discrimination? Or um, the thing that we have to do to to help is at least recognise when we are discriminating or actively 
Because I'm, you know, I think people, like you say, if you're looking on a CV, you're trying to find somebody that mirrors your experience in some yeah. way. Oh, I you reckon. just like people that, that, that are like, like you, you, don't you? It's and it's, it's how do you yeah get out of that? So how do you make sure that you're? I, I, but at the same time, we've also spoken about the fact that actually teams that are really good are the ones where you got a mixture of people. Yeah. There need to be some commonalities, but they don't have to be replicants. <laughs> and also you can be very wrong about it. Like, you know, my last decision about which job I would take, I kind of ended up going with the person that I thought was like me and then that turned out to be sort of very wrong. Um, where, you know, superficial judgments are superficial and they're, you know, yeah. they're probably wrong as well yeah, if you yeah, think, yeah. you know. Yeah, because one of the things that... Um we did at the canonical team was look at what our team values are just as a conversation we then then when we interviewed people it sort of gave us because actually what what brought us together were not our background education countries Mm. language none of those things it was different a different set of underpinning uh you know values that made us made us you know the people like us were people who cared about you know work in a particular way or society in a particular especially on a project like ubuntu yeah um but you know even then you make you make some interesting calls <laughs> it's like uh, it's always funny when people go well you hired him or you hired her I'm like oh <laughs> all right i'm sorry i won't do it again <laughs> I had a conversation at my brother's wedding last year with my uncle who dis- who was talking about my father's experience. And I, I, when I think about it, he um, he went to public school. He sort of grew what? up rich. Yeah, like my dad went to public school, grew up rich. Um, my grandparents were always, you know, my grandfather worked very hard, but like he, they were doing well. So my dad really struggled to going from affluence to like, nothing like not having money and he didn't know how to not have money so like uh it was always just like growing up you know he had these standards of this has to be done this well but i haven't got enough money to do it so i can't do anything um the whole time yeah and like you know we were on the you know we were on benefits for years and years so um like change of circumstances is that like expectations and entitlement and privilege it's sort of like your your expectations of what you deserve will be formed and then so for me i i find myself getting angry about not having you know x or y when and then if i just stepped back for a moment i'd be like well what are you talking you've got so much how can you be getting angry about not getting to do this really privileged thing I think people who have experienced change in circumstance, I think a lot of this goes down to, to, to empathy. When we were talking about immigration, we've talked about a thousand other things. It's like, it could be you. <laughs> it could be you, you could lose it. And I think if you experience it firsthand, it's much easier to empathise because you don't need, it is a scenario that did happen, so it's not some far-fetched fantasy. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about it in the context of David Cameron uh, calling a referendum. You know, it's just yeah. it just didn't think it through because he doesn't need to because he's never going to be hungry, and it's mm. that sort of you know if you if you think about the, the the two sides to inequality, one are helping people who are below an acceptable line of living standards, I think, to help mm. them up, and that sort of there's li- lifting the lower line, but then there's also shoring up so that whoever falls below that line or, or, or I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it's a hard, I think the idea of a minimum line at least gives a target, you know, like it's like, you know, at least everyone should be able to eat and sleep and be healthy and drink clean water and yeah. those kind of basics. Um, and then there's, there's sort of like shoring things up with a welfare state. So if something happens to you and you fall down, that there's some way of being saved. And then there's people who, who want to and can aspire to be beyond that basic line, but their circumstances have put them on it, making sure that they're not restricted. I, I think like your sense of inequality is 
it like half part of a large part of that is your expectations and like obviously we've talked about this already a lot like um you know you see other people doing a lot better and you kind of you want that so you're always going to feel like you're not getting what you could but obviously at the other end of the spectrum you know i'm just thinking like for me going to a hospital and the baseline that you're talking about being i'm not about to die you know, it was just like that's well, that's that's too low. Not good enough. No, like, no, no. Okay. I mean, the, the 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 there's lots of. It's weird that I say that because I don't really think that. It's like the difference between a a, a wage, the minimum wage, and a living wage. Yeah. You know, the living wage isn't particularly high, but mm. a living wage sounds to me far more sensible target than a minimum wage <laughs> it's like minimum yeah. wage is the least i can get away with paying somebody for mm. them to what not die um yeah, and then well. living wage implies some quality of life beyond simply surviving yeah um but then you know like but kind there are steps you kind of have to get the minimum wage sorted then the living wage then going up um you know we've still got massive you know, things like the, the, the pay difference between men and women, all these sorts of things are... They're, 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 we're still on the base battles, really, unfortunately. Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's, it's there's like, so much that... You know, I'm kind of trying to imagine a better world, but, like, yeah, there's so many obvious things that we have to fix with what we've got right now, the, and it's just struggling. There's, I mean, there's legislation, for example, the CARE Act uh, is a... Uh, an interesting change in les- legislation that I don't know the details on. Many people know a lot more than me, but <laughs> it basically talks about quality of life. So, you know, somebody who who is in need of care is entitled to help um, for their quality of life, not just for their survival. Um, yeah. But that's and the the law sort of lays out an intent that can't be followed through very easily with current systems and fundings and you know it's a it's a nice idea but I think it's it's very hard to deliver on if that's not everybody's if everyone's not behind it it's a bit it's like entitlement is this um what how much are we entitled to are we in is every person entitled to try and pursue a pop music career like is that something? <laughs> is everyone entitled? What, what are people? What are people entitled to in this world? Is it just not to die, or is it? And what is quality of life? Is it having nice food? Is it not feeling depressed? Is it? How do you even define that? Well, I think there's a there's a there's an element of personal choice. You know, yeah, the freedom. Freedom yeah, of choice. Like, like I yeah. I don't I don't want to. You know, I just want to... It's partly like this guy last night was talking about, like, he immediately leaps to some people don't deserve to do better. And there's this idea of, you know, you can only progress if you deserve to progress. It's not my Mm. fault if you don't deserve to progress. And, you know, this Mm. is where things like talent and just Mm. ability come into things. And can we not be a little bit more generous than that? Yeah. Than just, like, what do you deserve? It seems a bit like... Well, it's not my fault that you didn't work hard enough, or it's not my fault your mum and dad didn't do it. It was like, well, it's not my fault either. If it was something that's not my fault, I think you mm. have the choice to not work, for example. But I think if it is a pure question of choice, well, then I don't know if you are entitled to be supported in that decision. Yeah. You know, and that, if you can't fund it yourself through save, you don't want to, or you, know, I don't, I don't know. How do I, or how does this person, how do we switch out of like raising our levels of how much we think we as individuals are entitled to versus how much, how generous we want to be with people that are doing less well than me? Because I am just always looking, I just, I just feel like the more we talk about this, the more like I'm not doing anything to help anyone. And, and that's because I'm completely fixated on trying to get to the next level of what my goals are. And I just feel like I need every last ounce of money, time, freedom in order to be able to get anywhere with with my personal goals. That it's just I'm not. How can someone like me kind of step back from that and sort of look? I don't want to say down, but like look around and see like who is because that's ultimately if you're helping, that's the that's a source of well being and happiness that no amount of kind of pushing for the next level of achievement is going to solve. But as soon as you sort of start to 
enter into a spirit of generosity and saying, OK, well, I could afford to spare a lot of money, probably, if I thought about it. You know, how do we shake people? How do we shake people like me out of that? Kind of mindset. You see, one of my first reaction is that you do because you pay tax. Yeah, probably you know, not as much as I could. Yeah, but I, you don't. The, the society sets a level of tax. You don't. You, it's not in an yeah. offshore account being squirrelled yeah, yeah, away yeah. and hidden. So you pay what you're legally, you know, by the laws of the land, you're paying the tax that you are yeah. supposed to pay. And yeah. so I think, and, and I think what's a sad reflection on society is that whenever there's any conversation about taxes going up it is always like a big outcry when actually you know if we don't have enough money to fund the nhs and we want it then we should you know paying an extra percent making sure the people that have got a shit ton of money are paying their fair share is i think a lot of it's about fairness i can sort of try and say look i i I, I will feel better about paying a bit more tax probably but then when it you know when it when it comes to the crunch you're going to kind of like take that route of like minimizing it and then so it's a sort of mixed feeling i see when suddenly I'm, i guess for whatever tory policy reason i'm like oh i'm able to take a bit more salary and on the same tax now uh, part of me is like okay that's kind of good but it's also like taking something away from me it's like taking away how much even more how much i'm doing like any sense of like social value is is Oh, you're giving me more money, Tories, but you're also taking away the only thing that I'm actually being forced to do to help other people every month. I I do. I have this dialogue in my head because I, too, have a limited company that I bill through and my accountant sets my salary, la, 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 la. And but I also don't actively avoid i don't find Mm. extra loopholes i'm just doing the sort of the basic that you do i pay my corporation tax i pay my personal you know it's like i pay my personal tax there's no uh, kind of like oh where can i put my money offshore and send you peanuts and bury them in the garden (laughs) you know it's like it's not kind of there's no active avoidance going on i think i pay what i'm supposed to pay without any shirking of my responsibilities I think, though, there's an element of sort of the more you have, you know, there's this whole like big corporations avoiding tax earning. I think I paid more corporation tax than Amazon did in the UK last year or something like that. And I don't even I don't even work full time, so I don't earn a lot. Um, (laughs) It's like it's just they're so, you know, okay. the accountants are doing their jobs uh, and you can't in many ways you can't blame them because that's what they're doing. What we what we should be doing as a government, as a as a, as a country, is making sure that you can't pay, you know, as a as a massive billion dollar corporation, pay less tax than somebody who's, yeah. you know. And it, it comes well. It's what you said last week. We can't fix that one country at a time. Like that no. needs to be something that everyone sort of agrees. So you get people kind of finding every loophole they can, and then you know, and now we've got we've also got our philanthropic activities sort of offset. And so they're sort of giving money back still through a different avenue, but they just because they've got they think they know better. I think that's the ultimate inequality is that you are so rich and powerful that you think you can choose what's going to fix society rather than Mm. what the democratically elected representation of the people (laughs) says we want the NHS, we want a safe welfare state, we want these. Oh, but no. Amazon have chosen that they're going to, you know, give some money to some charities. Like, well, fuck you. You know, well, how how do you now step outside of democracy um, yeah. but yet want me to... But, and, you know, I, I don't avoid shopping at Amazon. I, I told you the story no, of the woman no. in the yoga class going, yeah, apologise you know, for shopping at Amazon. <laughs> End of the day, it's bloody convenient and um mm. you know it's like it's just too easy not to and yes i buy local la 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 but i use amazon <laughs> they, mm. uh, but you know they, they this is the thing that they shouldn't be allowed to do you shouldn't be so rich that yeah. you can say yeah yeah i'll walk on the roads but i don't want to pay the taxes that are used yes. to maintain the roads no 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 because i because you, you're not going to float above them and if you get yeah. hit by a car, an NHS ambulance will take you to an NHS hospital and an NHS accident and emergency department. Yeah. So, you know, think about that. when you. Yeah. That's just, you know, you can't opt out of that bit. 
this 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 festival I did at the weekend and I've got my musician friends and I'm like, I'm just going to book a hotel like in town rather than stay at the Airbnb. And then I'm just sort of like feeling guilty about that or like, oh, I shouldn't talk about it that I'm in a hotel so much because I'm just right. Or like, I'm just kind of like constantly like, ah, I'm being too, I'm being obnoxious about like how much I've got, which I, I sort of feel like. Be like the loads of money guy. Loads of money. (laughs) I'm sort of like obviously insecure about something if I have to keep talking about it. Or is it just like it's hard not to I'm just like this is what happened to it. It's like you talk about you talk to the man with the island about his problems and on you're sort of like, oh, it must be a hard life. But it's like that's just your life. So it's hard when you're kind of talking about these things. It's just like, well, this is what's happened to me. Like I had this weird thing with the hotel do not disturb sign. I'm sorry you don't have a hotel. (laughs) Like um like I think I think that's um I'm not sure guilt is a useful is a useful emotion in in the context of trying to make people feel more you know help people up that are that mm-hmm. need a help up because it's it guilt makes us feel bad <laughs> yes. make, feeling bad doesn't really isn't really the best state to be in to be creative or or generous mm. or anything it's just like it's a it's like one of the things that the the because the, the guilty feminist is all about this you know really because <laughs> they're always checking their privilege you know you know reminding it as a white woman as a uh, and it's and yeah. so, but sometimes it's like just yeah yeah we all get it get on with it yeah. and it's that balance of okay if i'm not self-aware enough to know that i'm privileged then that's bad. But if I keep banging on about it, it's irritating. And then it's, <laughs> it's like, and actually I just feel bad. And I, cause I, you know, I think I, I get this as well. Like, oh yeah, I'm just off to my second house that I've got in Croatia. <laughs> all of that. Like what an arsehole. Yeah, it's like, but you know, that's, what can I do? I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm I mean, like, you know, it's just get, like my life, like you say, and yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not being, I'm not ungrateful for my life, which I think is one thing, one aspect of the privilege thing. And I'm trying to learn about how to help other people. But but this feeling bad is very odd. Like, oh, poor, even saying it, poor us. We're so successful that we feel bad when we talk to other people. What (laughs) pair of assholes we are. (laughs) Yeah, like, so so the other, I suppose, the, the... I suppose the positive emotion would be like generosity, yeah. like a feeling of generosity. But we've sort of covered the problematic, like it's that sort of feels like I feel a bit dirty feeling generous as well because I'm like, well, who the fuck am I? Like, who am I? Like to be? But then it's, it's got to be. Well, it's sort of associated with smugness, isn't it? So, like, yeah. look how much I'm I, I can pay for this. Don't worry about it. Yeah, look, I know yeah. you can't afford to come to dinner with me, but I'll buy your dinner. You know. Yeah. How about the concept of sharing? Okay. You know, because I'm not giving, but you're very welcome to make use of the things that I have. Mm. Are you? Is that as bad? I don't know. Like. Yeah, and I think I, th- I was putting on these. I try. I really embraced that. Sp- the spirit of yeah I was putting on these gigs the squares night and that was I was really in a zone of like I just like I've got a bit more money than most of my artist friends at the moment so I'm gonna like foot the bill for some nights and do some things and like give to everyone get give everyone a chance give everyone an opportunity to play and do things and um that was a really good period and then I uh, kind of dropped off again because just the forces in the world were against me it was like no, well, you've got to think about how much money you're making. You've got to think about how big the audiences are. You've got to think about all this stuff that, like, normally you're supposed to think of. And it's it's hard to kind of like hold your ground as when you just want to be generous, when you just want to share. When like in the face of accountants or in the face of club promoters or in the face of like a a government that's got to protect the bottom line. If you're sort of like a, a state employee, it's like it's it's hard to sort of protect that that sort of softer idea of generosity and sharing against those much more kind of stark forces of sort of like capitalism and like measures of success that like just monetary measures of success. It's not normal to be generous. Why is it not normal to be generous? You know, like, why is it uncomfortable to offer to pay for somebody's drink? Yeah. Uh, why, why is that? I don't know. It's a bit of an odd one. 
Yeah, well, people are suspicious. I don't know, like, people kind of are used to, like, we're in a world of, like, it's all about the letter of the law. It's all about, like, why are you doing that? What do you want from me? It's all kind of, everything's encoded as an exchange. And then, but then we forget that, some, like, if you are going to think about it like that, we're kind of missing sort of um, more nebulous ideas that are being exchanged because we're completely fixated on the physical and the material and monetary exchanges. And and I feel bad if I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I paid for a drink, but what does that mean I'm paying for someone's company for the evening? Or what is it? The way humans are built is like religion used to foster the sort of softer skills, the softer things like generosity and sort of helping each other in a way that a state or a money system never could. But that was because there was a threat. There was some very serious control happening. Yeah. Um, and so you take away the control that religion has over people and you leave people to their own devices. And it's it's tough because we're just built in a certain... You know, we're animals. We're just walking around. We're, all we know is like how to get what we can. We're, we're not... I mean, but we also know that we'll... Religion knows that we will feel good if we kind of embrace certain sort of higher ideas, ideals sometimes um, that might not be immediately obvious to us uh, rationally. So, we, yeah, we have to, you know, find other sources of... Well, how do you force people? To, there's no way to force someone to embrace that sort of thing anymore. There's no threat of an omnipresent God to kind of force you to kind of check your, like, behaviours when no-one's watching. Yeah, you know, the thing you keep repeating, it's been proven that cooperation is more valuable. So if you yeah. don't think about it as giving but rather cooperating. So my contribution yeah. to our co cooperative is I happen to have more of these money tokens. Off you go. Yeah. Um, maybe that's better. There's also these people like um, that, the Life You Can Save guy, Peter Singer. He's got this whole thing where you can pledge to give away a lot of your salary to charity as a sort yeah. of, uh, you only need this much to live on, give the rest away. You know, I've never managed to, a trans you know like ascend to those mm -hmm. heights of generosity i mm. have to say i think it's uh i i still have that well yeah but what if i can't earn so i need to keep it and i think that's done with no smugness or maybe it is i don't know well i don't know like it reminds me of my my father having to give 10 percent of his income to opus day when he was still when my mother was still there and obviously she had the kind of religious force saying oh we've got to give all our money to opus day and then, like, as soon as, as when she died, they sort of came to him going, oh, can we have our money? And he was like, no, can I have your money? <laughs> fuck you. But it does mean, I mean, they probably were using, because I, I did some research into it, and I was like, well, I mean, I guess some of those principles are, aren't bad principles. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's, that's... That's a different story. That's a different story. But I think, like, but I, I wonder if the answer is just to quantify more. <laughs> if we quantify the friendship quantify uh like everything as well as just money then maybe we could start to kind of see things but that's obviously uh, autistically insane i think if we maybe it's just about sharing your success let's find ways to share our success yeah <laughs> no no it is i'm just saying like people don't even recognize their success a lot of the oh, time let alone true. kind of realize that they want to share it okay. um but yes like we should, that's what we should be doing sharing we should be recognizing our success and then sharing it. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> if you like it, you can find out more at grandpodcast.com and you can follow us on all the social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, all sorts. Uh, where can people find you, Ivanka? You can find me at Ivanka on Twitter. You can find me at michaelforestmusic.com. And, um, yeah, give us some likes and some subscribes and some reviews and tell your friends, basically. Yeah. Yes, please tell your friends. Uh, subscribe their phones, uh, their devices. And if you want to tell us something, hello at grandpodcast.com is a great way to make sure both Michael and I see what, you're, what you've written at the same time. Uh, so yes. we can have a little chat about it. And we'll probably end up talking about it because we don't get that many emails. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get in before we become famous. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.